Well, good morning, church. It is wonderful to be together. Merry Christmas to you all who are here. Merry Christmas to you watching live stream. I know there, there's some illness and some folks are watching live stream. Billy, Rhonda, praying for you both. It's nice for you to share COVID together. Um, not really, but we're praying for you guys. Brenda, we miss you greatly. I don't know, is Schaefer Michael here this morning? Any of the Michaels here? Well, Schaefer, we're praying for you. Is Anna here as well? well? We're praying for all you, whether you know it or not. And we're praying that God will give all of us a great Christmas season. Is there a more distracting time of the year than right now? It is the most wonderfully awful time of the year to try to keep a straight thought. Uh, I'm going to do my best this morning <laughs> to do that. I hope you will do your best this morning to do that. So let's do this. Just, just get right into the message. Let's do our best to be here this morning. Every time when we're here, to be here, to hear, what does God have to say to me this morning? And it's good for us to be here. And why is it good for us to be here? Because God is here. God is here. Think about that throwaway thought that is anything but throwaway. God is here with us. Let's pray. Lord, we, you came from heaven to earth to get our attention, even if we didn't want it. How grateful we are for your attention and your presence. Lord, would you this morning just cause us to bask in this fact that you, God Almighty, creator of all things, are fully attentive to each of us at all times. Lord, we place our attention fully on you this morning so that in these moments we have together, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we'll experience your intimate and joy-filled presence. God, we pray this and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks to you, all of you who are coming joining us this morning, guests. I'm confident that the Lord has great word for us and for the joy of us sharing communion together at the end of the service 2700 years ago you think about that that's a long time that's almost three millennia ago the prophets Micah and Isaiah who were contemporary prophets spoke of a great revealing of God that would take place. Now here's the northern kingdom of Israel at that time has been crushed by Assyria. Judah, the southern kingdom, is crumbling. And yet at that time, in the midst of circumstances that seem hopeless, God speaks through his prophets. We have it recorded in Isaiah, the seventh chapter, that behold, a virgin shall be with child and he shall bear and she shall bear a son and his name shall be Emmanuel so in the midst of Israel's crushing and Judah's near collapse God is speaking of a of a liberation that will come and something is crazy is the thought that a virgin will be with child and this virgin born child a son will come and his name will be Emmanuel and then in Matthew the first, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew the first verse, 
Joseph, when he's ready to put Mary away, because what's she doing pregnant, comes to Joseph and says, this is what the prophet said would happen. A virgin will be with child, a son. He will be Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Literally in the Hebrew, that Emmanuel means with us is the mighty God. We could just hear that this morning, this church. With us is the mighty one, God himself. And so Isaiah tells us what's going to happen. Micah tells us where it's going to happen. In the fifth chapter, the second verse, Micah reveals to you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to make Google Maps. To you has been born and will be born a savior, a shepherd who will stand and guard and lead his sheep. He will be mighty in the sight of the Lord and he himself shall be their peace. Some 700 years before this savior is to be revealed. 2,700 years from us, 700 years from the birth of Jesus. You talk about a pregnant pause. That is a, a pause that they waited for. This is incredible. And so we see in Luke, the second chapter, here comes the fulfillment of this. God makes sure his son is going to be born where he says he's going to be born by there being a godless king who orders a census of the entire world, which moves Joseph and Mary from Nazareth 90 miles to Bethlehem. And she is great with child. Ladies, you've been pregnant, many of you. You don't want to walk 90 steps when you're great with child. Much less 90 miles in an area that is rocky, hilly, forested. A place where there are marauders and robbers and yet Mary great with child comes with her husband and the scripture says while they were there she gave birth to a son wrapped him in swaddling clothes laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn can I, let me just, can I make a little Christmas correction don't go home and change your creches or your nativity scenes but Jesus was not born in a wooden barn he was not born in a wooden manger. In Bethlehem, you typically had three-room houses. You had a main room, you had the family room, and then you had what was called the guest room. Jesus was born in the inn. The word inn in the Greek is the word guest room. So probably connected to the house with the stable. He was not born in Holiday Inn. He was born in an inn that was probably the inn of a relative. And the manger was on a wooden manger. It's probably a stone manger. And the manger was where they would put hay and feed the sheep and other, other livestock. And so Jesus comes into this world. Now, is this not true? Does God does as he wants. Now, think about this for your own life. God does in your life, in my life, as he wants, where he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants to reveal to those whom he will, that he is God with us, Emmanuel. 
I mean, he moved the entire population of the world for the purpose of having his son born when he said he would be and where he said he would be. God is not hamstrung, church, by whomever he puts in power to accomplish his purposes, whether it's the first century A.D. or the 21st century A.D. God decreed to Israel... Israel, if I said I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it, not in your time, but I'm going to do it in my time. We see this in Numbers 23. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not do it? Church, that, that promise is for each and every one of us. Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose. I shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Do we need to be reminded of that promise this morning? That thing we think will never happen that thing we think will never stop that certain circumstance that has us tied in knots so church let's this morning hear this incredible story of us for christmas eve 23 god is with us alan god is with you josh god is with you he is your and my emmanuel I mean, really think about this. What many things did God have to do to have you sitting in this room, watching live stream or video delay? What are all the circumstances, the people you had to meet, the places you had to be that end you up maybe in this place today to hear that what, if what the scripture says is true is the most important news you will ever hear. It is the most essential news you must receive. God has come into this world to obliterate sin so that he can bring us to himself. What coincidences had to happen? I mean, you think about that. Just do a little bit of inventory on your history. How did he get you where you are to hear what you need to know because he desires to be your Emmanuel. If God moved the population of the world to have his son born where he wanted him to be, he will certainly move you and me to be where he wants us to be so that we will know all the time that he is our Emmanuel. Could there be greater news than this? Could there possibly be greater news than this? Then almighty, all holy God has come to earth to rescue us from ourselves. I don't think so. He's come to abide with us, to be near us. And I want you to take this personally this morning as we just rifle through these scriptures. 1 John 4, 8. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his, whole, his only son into the world. Why did he do that? So that we might live through him. What's that saying? He sent his son into the world to be manifest among us 
so that we might live through him. In other words, what he's telling us is without Emmanuel, we have not the life that God has come to give us. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. He came into the world to save you, to rescue us sinners. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven for you. Now, maybe this morning you've heard a general Christmas message, you've heard a general Jesus message, but you've never allowed it to penetrate your heart that God came if you'd have been the only person on the planet just for you, to save you. This is what he's done. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose Christ was revealed. Why was Christ revealed? Why is there Christmas? He came to destroy the works of the evil one in each and every one of our lives. The, the work that keeps us from knowing God, from experiencing real life. And then Matthew 28, Jesus said, I am with you always. Sounds like Emmanuel, doesn't it? Even to the end of the age. Now I wanted us to do this. I want the Lord to drive this point home on this Christmas Eve to remind us that 2,000 years ago when he stepped into this world, it was for the purpose of stepping into each of our worlds and never stepping out of them. And that's what's so great about communion. Why we're receiving communion today? Because communion is a great announcement of Emmanuel, God with us. Anybody ever get a love letter? Anybody ever receive a love letter? I hope so. None of you want to admit it. I'm not going to ask you to read it if you have it. But certainly I'm not going to let my wife read mine to her. But how much did it mean to you when you received that love letter? I mean, I know you're thinking about it right now. Well, God has written in his whole word a love letter to us. But I want us to focus this morning just on one particular scripture. And I'm going to ask you to do something like, oh, please don't ask me to do this, Frank. Uh, I want us to read this particular chapter of the Bible as God's love letter to you. And, I want, I, and I'm going to ask you to read this out loud with me. So this morning, hopefully through this, the Holy Spirit will work in such a way that we will see the depth of intimacy and love that God has for each of us. The depth of granular attention he pays to us. And so we'll read this together because you are my Emmanuel God with me. And I want you to sing it out. Speak, well, I'm not going to sing it out. Speak it out. All right? Let's do this together. Because you are my Emmanuel, God with me, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Because you are Emmanuel, God with me, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Come on, you're doing well. 
because you are my Emmanuel, God with me, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Because you are my Emmanuel, God with me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Because you are my Emmanuel, God with me, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Okay, last stanza. Let me hear you. Because you are my Emmanuel, God with me, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. For he is always our Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see the granular care for each and every one of us? The specific awareness of everything going on in our lives because God is Emmanuel. Let's grasp this, this proclamation of Emmanuel, this glorious title overused at this time of year and underestimated at all times of the year. He is no longer a baby in a cave laying in a man manger. Emmanuel is not a dependent infant who needs to be fed, changed, or rocked to sleep. This isn't even Emmanuel who allowed his beloved disciple to lay his head on his breast. No, church, this Emmanuel, who when John saw him on the island of Patmos, fell at his feet as a dead man. This is the Emmanuel who is with us always. Whether you and I give him a second thought or not. He is with us always. That is how important and precious each and every one of us is to him. This is who he is. This is our Emmanuel, God with us. This Emmanuel is our Emmanuel, not just in December. He's our Emmanuel in January when the Christmas bills start showing up. He is our Emmanuel in February when the saints reach the super, no, 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 sorry, I, I mean, that would be a Christmas miracle. You have to make the playoffs, I think, to make, is that right, how it works? Um, no, he's, he's our Emmanuel in February when you've had the worst fight of your life with your spouse and you don't know if your marriage is going to survive. He's Emmanuel in March when you're so full of yourself, nobody wants to be around you but Emmanuel. He's our Emmanuel 
in April when the tax bills are due. He's our Emmanuel in May when you get a health diagnosis and you don't know if you're going to beat it, much less be able to pay for it. He's your Emmanuel in June when your 15-year-old daughter tells you through the tears of horror, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. He's our Emmanuel in July, in August. He's our Emmanuel in September, in October. He's our Emmanuel in every day of November. He's our Emmanuel back all the way around to December. And what does he say? Fear not, for to you, to you, Shane, to you, Victor, has been born this day for you, your Savior, your Savior, Bridget, your Savior, Christ, Kenny, your Savior, Christ, the Lord, Emmanuel, God with you. You know, it's interesting because you know, we want this faith. We, we want to grow in faith. But so often my, my feelings rule me. And in the feelings department, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger at age 35. In the faith department, I look like Pee Wee Herman at any point in time in his life. And so, and, but why is that? Because so many times you and I work out in the faith and the fear gym and we don't work out in the faith gym. We work out our fears and our feelings and we let those are the things that capture us and come upon us. And oh, we are so strong in the fear and faith and fear and feel department, but not in the faith department. God wants us to work out in the faith gym. He doesn't want us to work out in the fear gym. In the feelings, Jim. Without faith, church, we can't please him. He has given us a gift of faith for us to exercise. To know that we know that we know no matter what the circumstances I'm going through are. Or the circumstances you're going through are. God is with you. With you is the mighty one. The mighty God, this is who he is. And not only do you need that for yourself, you need this, and hear me, parents, you need this for your wayward children. And tell you that this morning, God is with you to have faith for your wayward kids. He is with you in the midst of every circumstance. You think about what's top of your chart this morning where you don't believe God is with you. Replace that lie with the truth. Emmanuel, God with you in the midst of whatever heart-renting situation you are in today. He is with us to declare his might for us and his love for us. What we sing and acknowledge of Christmas, Emmanuel desires for us to know 365 days days a year through every moment of joy, as I said, And even when we feel like our hearts are being ripped out of our chests, he is your and my Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God with us. He is the one and only one who satisfies the hungering of thirsting souls. 
Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Because Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life come from heaven. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Shall not hunger for what? Now think about this for a moment. What do we hunger for? You guys who are beginning your careers. What are we hungering for? We're hungering for an identity, a career. We're hungering for uh, success in competition and all those other things. And that's, that's fine. But here's what Jesus promises. If you hunger for me, I will take care of all those fears of not succeeding. Those fears of failing. Those fears of not getting what I think I want. Those are the ways in which Emmanuel is working. Because he is the only one that can fill this God-shaped void inside of you. He is the only one in the uncertainty of every day of every year. He is the only certainty of that which will never fail you. He is the certainty of the one who will never leave us. He's the bread of life. And if we believe in him, we shall never thirst for the world's things. We shall hunger and thirst for him. God had the Messiah born in Israel, not in Bethlehem. Now, most of us, I think, many of us may know what the word Bethlehem means. You know what it means? House of bread. Where Jesus is born, where the bread of life is born, is the house of bread. And what are we who have become children of God. Now think about this for a minute. We have become God's Bethlehem to the world. Now you think about that. If Jesus himself calls himself the bread of life, and those who receive him become his dwelling place, then what have you become? What have I become? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Oh, not so little town of Bethlehem. Oh, really oversized town of Bethlehem. We are the house of the Savior. If we are in Christ, the bread of life is now in us, which means he is now our Emmanuel because we are now his Bethlehem. The house of bread. We have this treasure, Paul tells us, in jars of clay that the surpassing greatness of the power in us might be from the bread of life and not ourselves. Do you think of yourself that way? Do people look at us and see what the shepherds saw? Do they see the light of the world and the bread of life that they must have for themselves? I'm not saying that they see you as great, but in you do they see the one who is great. God has chosen church, those of us who are in Christ, to be the house of bread. The place where God reveals himself. Just like others we saw that attracted us to Christ, we are those 
God uses as well. The one thing they need. But what, do, what does the world smell? Does, does a cologne of our flesh arrive before the aroma of Christ? What do people smell? What do they see? Well, as we strengthen ourselves in faith, they will smell Jesus. The aroma of God. That's what they will smell. Have we allowed Emmanuel? Are we allowing Emmanuel to be so attractive in us that people come to us to find the Prince of Peace for their lives? That's pretty amazing, church, to think that God has done that, but this is what he's done. And he has so many things, but most importantly, he is Emmanuel who lives to make intercession for us. Isn't that great? Jesus' blood constantly speaks before the Father. Father, Donnie is covered. I covered him. I am Emmanuel with him. I have covered Chris and Chris. My blood constantly intercedes for him. I need Emmanuel more than anything else to be my intercessor. Yes, Isaiah declares he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. But that is of no benefit to me and is no benefit to you if he is not our intercessor. If his blood has not covered my sins and obliterated them our Emmanuel our Lamb of God whose blood ever declares his gift of eternal forgiveness before our God and Father he humbled himself took on the appearance as a man submitted himself to death even death on a cross now you see in your notes today a little fill in the blank because I know Phil likes me to do fill in the blanks because I have to say his name Phil in the blanks. Yeah. Blank is the reason for the season. Now, would you be so kind? Again, would you use your voices with me? When I say three, you tell me the answer. Ready? One, two, three. That's wrong. Jesus is not the reason for the season. Sin is the reason for the season. Sin is the reason for the season. I told you that two years ago when I preached at Christmas. I cannot believe you didn't remember that. (laughs) Sin, my sin is the reason. Jesus, the second answer, by the way, fill in, is Jesus. um, Is our only certain hope for the season. If not for sin, there's no Christmas Not the way we know it. But he came because of our sin. You know, historians of ancient Israel believe Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now, Bethlehem, house of bread, Ephrathah means fruitful. So I think in some ways, if you think of this, house of bread, bread can also be related, uh, pardon me, translated cake in some uh, translations. And the word Ephrathah means fruit. So you could say fruitcake is a biblical thing to have. 
How many of you here love fruitcake? Come on, don't be shy. I'm the only one. Oh, thank you, Jim. Yes, yes, I see that hand. Grace, really? I didn't know anybody your age could even knew what that was. But Bethlehem, fruitful house of bread is what it means. But Ephrathah was the place of the birth of lambs, not born for their wool or for their milk or meat. Now hear me, Bethlehem, many historians believe, including one of my favorites, Alfred Edersheim, Jew, come to Christ, incredible ancient historian, watched over. They weren't, they weren't given, hear me, let me say this again. They weren't given for their wool. They weren't given for their meat. They weren't given for their milk. They weren't born for those things. These lambs were born to be watched over that they would be unblemished lambs for their blood to be spilled and their bodies to be burned in temple sacrifice. Many historians believe that our Lord was born and swaddled in the very place where shepherds watched over the birth of lambs who were born to die. These shepherds were possibly what are called temple shepherds, whose sole job was to superintend the birth of these little ewe lambs, and at their birth, watch over them for their protection until they were either handed over to the priests for the five-mile mile walk from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, to the temple, or they themselves to escort these sacrificial spotless lambs themselves to the priest for the purpose of sacrifice. Even in our Lord's birth, he is declared by the location of his birth and by those who were the first to attend his birth the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of all who realize they need more than a life coach. They need more than a celestial Santa Claus. They need more than a vending machine in the sky. They need Emmanuel, the Savior of the world. Now you're here today, maybe you're watching online, without the Savior being your Emmanuel. You've sung the songs of Christmas. I, I think of the last stanza of O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Holy Child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angel, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord. Emmanuel. How many times have you sung that? And not connected the gospel truth in that. We've sung the songs. We've gone to church services. But never asked him in. If so, I, I would humbly argue this morning, and I am humbly correct, that God moved heaven and earth for you to be here today. Watching today, just like he moved heaven and earth for Jesus to be born, exactly where God promised he would be born, at exactly the time he said he would be born. And if he has appointed a time of birth for his son, he has come to you to appoint a time of birth for you into his kingdom. 
Jesus, the bread of life, came to fill a hunger nothing, no one else can fill. Some of you have lived long enough to know, in spite of your many successes, in spite of all the money you have, in spite of how popular you are, in spite of how important people think you are, that doesn't fully fill us. There's only one who can fill us. Not the bread of this world. The bread of life, Christ himself. All else is temporary. All else gets put in the mouth and gets eliminated. But not this bread. This bread is with us always. Will you this morning, this morning, this morning, let this purpose of his coming to earth change you now and forever. God, who loves you so much, has come to be your Emmanuel. To be the bread and the only bread that can give you real life. Hear me. If he is not your Emmanuel, your Emmanuel, that curse of unforgiven sin still abides on you. Just like it abided on me. And if he's not your Emmanuel, your Savior, God with you, then he is going to be your eternal judge. Cast from him forever. God does not want that. He has come to us to abide with us. We can either trust in our own works, hoping we've been good enough, for God to accept us. We can either try one day to stand before him and say, well, I, I did this and I did this and I did this, but I didn't do that and I didn't do the other thing. God said, by the works, by your works, you will not be found right before me. Could you hear that, please? If you are here this morning without Christ, could you hear that? No matter how good you may think you are, no matter how bad you may think you are, and you're not worthy of God's acceptance, none of us is worthy of God's acceptance. None of us is worthy of the Son of God humbling himself, coming down, being found in the form of man. None of us. But God so loved you, Megan, that he gave himself that if you believe in him, he would be your Emmanuel forever. Came a long way to give us this gift of himself. But we have to respond. Somebody gives you a gift tomorrow, what are you going to do? Thanks. You're going to take it. You're going to open it. There's never been a gift like this. This gift will be with you forever. Next year, you won't remember what you got this year. Right? Or you'll hate what you got this year because you've spent so much to keep it working. <laughs> will you make room for him this morning? Will those will you who are here without Christ, you watching without Christ, could this be, this Christmas Eve 2023, be the day of your forever birth? He's here right now. And he will hear you. And he's calling for you. And I like to do this. I just want to pray a simple prayer. Just You want Christ to be your Lord? Just pray this prayer with me. Nothing fancy about the words. But if you want to prepare him room in your heart this morning. Would you do that? 
Let this be between you and God. Emmanuel has come to you to give you the life and the joy and the purpose we cannot have apart from him. Would you pray this with me? You're just talking to God. Just say this to him. God, through the years I've sung carols about the truth of Christmas. God, I've gone to church, but I've never opened my heart to Jesus to welcome you in to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I realize what you have offered me. And that's what I need and what I want. I want you. I want you to be my Emmanuel. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, today and for the rest of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And God, now my Father, thank you for making me your child this Christmas Eve, 2023. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In the, in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us, when one lost is found, the angels rejoice. They rejoice at the birth of Jesus. Guess what else they rejoice at? Heaven is rejoicing at your birth. So this morning, if you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never let every heart, let your heart prepare him room, if you haven't prepared room for him, but today you prayed that prayer. When you're watching, you prayed that prayer. Nothing will compound the joy of that by you sharing that with somebody. The birth of Jesus was not hidden. Think about this. 2,000 years ago. Anybody in the world know that a little baby was born in an innocuous place in Bethlehem? I kind of think so. And it would be awfully awesome if you would share with those you know. God has been born in an innocuous place in New Orleans, Louisiana. And he is now my savior, Christ the Lord. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Emmanuel, the babe in the manger, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's declared in his birth, his place of birth, and it's declared in his place of death. The last night he was with his disciples, he shared with them a Passover meal to remind them that his blessing and his body were theirs for their forgiveness. The Lord has called you and me this morning to a Christmas meal. It's a meal that is to remind us that he fulfilled his promises in his time, sending his son to be Emmanuel, the Lamb of God, come to take away all of our sins, to remove the dividing wall between us. This is a joyful meal to remind us of Jesus' given to us for us this is why the lord has come that earth would receive the eternal king this meal declares god and sinners reconciled amen how good that is 
And so, church, I want to ask you to do this. I want us to think about this for a minute. It's a table of rejoicing because it's a table of Emmanuel's full forgiveness and acceptance of us. And our union with him. And not only our union with him, our union with one another who are in Christ. Perhaps this morning, that union and forgiveness we have in Christ is not what we currently have. Hear me, please. Not currently what we have with one another. I want to encourage you to seek for or extend that forgiveness either before receiving this meal, if you know there is aught with someone in this house, or if not possible, before the sun goes down today. This meal is a meal of full, unconditional, forever forgiveness and acceptance between us and the living God. How can we, church, withhold that forgiveness from one another? This is a table of forgiveness. It is a table of rejoicing and unity and thankfulness. Because God, our Savior, has been born for us. Let's come as the ushers lead us to receive this meal and partake of it together would you hold on to the elements until uh, we've all been served and we're seated back into our places and we'll take the meal together
this babe given 2,000 years ago is now with us our mighty one who humbled himself to death to death on a cross and why did he why did he do that for God so loved you Mark for God so loved you Joshua so loved you Liz loved you loved so so loved each of us that he was born to be broken to be crushed to die he who was fully whole and holy he who knew no sin we can't imagine that but I want to more he who knew no sin became sin for us that in him only in him we could be forgiven accepted united with the righteousness the very righteousness of God in Christ oh church let that soak into us as the greatest gift ever God in all his holiness in all his perfection in all of his love in all of his intimacy God right now and when you walk out of this building and tomorrow morning your mighty one he's born 33 years go by his ministry on earth is complete and he looks around at a table at those whom he loved so much but on the night he was betrayed one at the table of betrayer he did not let that stop him he forged forward he took the bread and he looked at it and he showed it to his disciples and said you see this this represents me broken for you as often as you take this table of remembrance remember I'm your Emmanuel I'm not going anywhere I am your God with you forever let's take of the bread and with supper was ended he took the cup he thanked his dad on the night he was betrayed and soon to be going to a horrific death he thanked his father and he said to those those who would be multiplied by the thousands and the millions and the millions of millions and the millions of millions of millions he said to them this represents my blood without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin it's either going to be our blood which will never satisfy a holy God 
or his blood his blood come to earth him come to earth in flesh so that you and I can know that full forever forgiveness acceptance and union he said take this cup drink it it's poured out for you for your forgiveness for you to know that I am with you always let's take the cup father I pray that this will be a Christmas unlike any Christmas for many for many reasons Lord but for some it is the first Christmas forgiven accepted united with the one who came to forgive and for those of us who are in Christ oh God whatever this year has brought to us heart-wrenching grief ecstatic joy confusion oh spirit of the living God cause us to see you are always and forever our Emmanuel God with us in Jesus name Amen Stephen the band's going to lead us in a song Come let us
few people on your way out. Merry Christmas and be safe. God bless you.